Keeping up with the Joneses. AJ Jones. <laughs> episode 259. 259. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. A very special episode because we have a guest speaker. We do. One of my favorite people Super on the planet. Super excited about that. Before we get to that, weekly catch up. Yes. <laughs> do you want to even recap the task? I. Or would you like to just forget that it it's happened? It's just, it's. It's been a great week. No, it hasn't. I was sick all week. Well, you were sick all week, and I was doing all of the parenting and whatnot, plus working. So that's what was great? No, what was great was the conference was great. Okay, well, we're jumping ahead. Let's focus on the fact I was sick. Oh, you were, my beloved. You were sick. You poor, poor man. I cuddled with my daughter, and she had wet hair, so I was wondering, why is my shirt wet? You you do have a damp spot. (laughs) I was sick, and I've been in bed for the past seven days, six days. You were in bed for 10 days total. No. Yes, because Thursday was basically when you were like, peace out, folks, because we didn't record a podcast because you weren't feeling well. That's right. And you didn't get out of bed until Saturday. Yep. I was negative for COVID three times. Yeah. I was negative for flu, negative for strep, but had kind of the symptoms of all those without fever. Yeah. And was just completely fatigued, was just in bed, was absolutely no use to anybody. Yep. Was not fun, full of congestion. Poor sweet thing. But thank you for, big thank you to you for handling everything on the home front. Thank you. Big thank you to SOSL staff and Grace and her staff who stepped in and took care of all the responsibilities that were mine this week. So thank you to all of our staff who helped me. I felt very loved by that. Good. But mostly by me. Oh, hugely by you. I mean. For sure. Even though I didn't buy you Ribena? UK people, you know how important Ribena is to aid recovery. It, it, it it's just I will sugar. Have none of it. Oh. No, you're right. You will have none of it. And I had none of it. <laughs> and that's probably why it took me ten days to recover. Yeah, it, was, it could have taken you longer. Yeah, it was yeah. not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we jump into the conference we just had, that yes. was amazing. Yes. Which I missed half of because I was sick. Yes. But what were you doing this week? While I was at home in bed, you were. Well, so. You know, in addition to doing all the parenting, you mean, uh, at work, <laughs> I uh, I taught on year two before lunch on Monday, yep. year one after lunch on Monday, then year one before lunch on Tuesday, after lunch as well for one session, then I taught year two online on a completely different topic. So I taught three different weeks uh, of the school and and then, you know, all the normal meetings and stuff so it was a whirlwind a whirlwind week going into a conference yeah and honestly I was feeling pretty trashed going in pretty exhausted uh and and, I mean not to not that it's your fault but mostly because you know it's also been a week of me doing uh, everything else Mm -hmm. uh and uh but I actually I mean I'm tired I'm looking forward to going to bed um but the conference was great. Conference was amazing. It's our annual Heaven Declares conference. Yes. And uh, we had Bishop Joseph Garlington. Yes. Who was our first time having him here at Grace Center. Gosh, I love him so much. We've had him several times in Toronto. And I'd never met his wife before, Barbara. and she is amazing. Yeah, Miss Barbara. She yeah, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then we had Leif Hetland. Yes. Who's been here many times at Grace Center. Yes. He's teaching at the school this week. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was a real joy, and yeah. uh, you know, a big shout out to our worship team who, who just crushed it. They were oh, every serving, session so good, and then serving more. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I I don't know how Josh Parsons is still upright. Well, we don't know that he is at this point. He might he might be already in bed. He might have gone to bed at six with his toddlers or something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was quite the weekend. It was great. Holy Spirit did lots of fun stuff. I also met. I don't, did you meet Andrew and Hannah? I did from uh, Peterborough. Well, he's from Peterborough. From Canada. Yes, Canada. Yeah, from Canada. So yeah, I'm. I showed up on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think which was the first day of, for me of the conference. And God bless uh, these guys. Hello, by the way. Hello. Who had come all the way from Canada to attend the conference? Yeah, amazing. And they're a podcast listeners, so yeah. I wanted to say hi. Like anybody who and makes a the their baby. I I I wanted to steal Moses, the baby. Okay, well, I didn't. I'm glad you didn't, baby, because I didn't. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. It is illegal, but he was so cute. Oh, just adorable. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Uh, I'm glad the week is over. I don't want to say it was a great week. I'm just glad the week was over. I'm glad you're not sick anymore, 
And I don't think I have energy if the conference had gone in an, another couple of days. Right. But it was wonderful. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm expectant. I feel like stuff has happened that we're unaware of. And I'm waiting to see what that looks like. Life in the spirit. Yep. I love it. Love it. Um, our special guest this week. Yes. Monsieur. Steve Long. Steve Long. Who's been on our podcast before. Yeah. And uh, is one of my favorite teachers, for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to hand over to you, who's going to interview. Well, Steve, welcome. Thank you. Good to be back. Yes, it's great to have you. We're just trying to decide if you've done it twice before. I think two. Yeah. But I've done a few podcasts, so. Yeah, well, I can see where. One or two. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, talking to Abby today on the way to lunch, and she was saying, how long have you known Mr. Steve? And I was like, I think we've got to be at about 25 years, because you came in 94, right? 94 is when I joined the church, but I started attending and helping plan events in 93, 92. Okay. okay. Anyway, so yes, okay. we're both getting old. We're, yeah, that, yeah Older. so that's all we wanted to, we, that's what we wanted to that make sure the, everybody knew we were old. That was your daughter's point. <laughs> yeah. That was your daughter's point. How old are you, mom? <laughs> old. Getting up there. Um, so, so good to have you on the show. I think Alan was telling you we've done a bunch of five things. Mm-hmm. So five things we didn't know about kids before we had them. Uh, five things we didn't know about marriage. I'm trying to remember what else we did, but we've done a couple of different five things we didn't know about ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we asked you what five things you wanted to talk about. My only request was that it wasn't your five best dad jokes because I'm pretty sure I've heard them. Maybe, yeah, well, you know. I think there's there's hope that there's still good ones coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I steal, for those of you who follow my dad jokes, I, st- I steal from three or four different websites. Oh, you like, you research them, like you're serious I, yes, about this. serious plagiarism. Okay, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. I admit that. Yeah. Yeah. The kids were like, I don't think we've ever had lunch with somebody who told us so many jokes at lunch. And I was like, yes, well, there you go. Now there you... <laughs> Now we've done that. So so what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about five things that I did not know about healing when I began to function in healing. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Right? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So just start? Just start. Perfect. Number one. <laughs> Number one, I think is perhaps the simplest one, is that it's God's will. I grew up in a tradition, conservative, evangelical, where we believe that God could heal, but we we're not convinced that God wanted us to ever pursue the healing of individuals. Okay. If that makes sense. So right. God, so if, God could randomly do it. Right. Okay. But it was very presumptive, presumptuous of me uh, to ask someone to pray for me for my healing because maybe that's not what God wants. Yes. And it was very presumptive of me to go to someone to say, can I pray for your healing? We just did not do that. Yes. Because we were not convinced that it was God's will. Right. So basically, that's where we get those prayers, like, if it's your will. Because I remember that's how, uh, when I first got saved, because I was brought up heathen, uh, and then got saved. But that I prefer was the word pagan. <laughs> pagan. That's fine, too. Uh, I remember that's how, like, that's how people prayed, was if. So there was always a question, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I would say that after... Uh, looking at the scriptures and reading the scriptures, primarily looking at the life of Jesus, because if Jesus replicates the will of Father God, he he clearly did everything perfect. Right. So what did Jesus say about it? And there is only one passage in all of the scripture where that question's asked. It's in Matthew chapter 8, okay. verse 1, where a leper comes and says, is it your will? And Jesus, before he even answers the question— touches a leper, heals him, and then said, yeah, it's God's will. Yeah. So the answer is given after he touches, probably hugs the guy, which is you just don't do that because that's a contagious disease. Sure. So that's the first recording of it. Again, if you're going Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So we don't know when that story took place in terms of all the sequence. Sure, sure. But it's the only passage where the question is asked, is it God's will? Mm. And it's an emphatic yes. Yes. But to me, the better passage is comes from the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus is teaching his disciples. They've asked him, how do we pray? Okay, here's how you do it. Our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Then it goes into, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So now we're going, okay, well, what happens in heaven? Well, exclusively what God wants. Yes. Everybody is healed in heaven. The moment that they arrive, they're healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of things happen. The moment you get to heaven, you're rich. <laughs> uh, but when you get to heaven, you are, you are healed. You are, according to Revelation 20, no sickness, no disease, no mental health, no depression, nothing wrong completely healed. Mm -hmm. But in the prayer, Jesus says that we're to be praying on earth, just like it's in heaven. So if everyone arrives in heaven healed, that's got to be the will of God for planet earth. Yeah. So good. Uh, So when I began to sort of figure that one out, it was like, okay, so that means I'm not allowed to pray if it's your will prayers anymore. In fact, I tease people in our prayer team at our church. If you're caught saying that you get a warning second time you're off the team when it comes to healing right. prayers, because right. we want people to be praying prayers of faith. Yes. And we'll talk about that. I think that's number four. Good. Number three or four. Okay. I'll look at the cheat sheet. <laughs> I love that you made little notes. Alan makes little notes as well. I usually do too, but I've his, are, liked his are, yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. We'll keep him. Number two, healings for everyone to do. It's a team sport. Good. It's not an exclusive thing for just some to do. Two passages that come to mind. One is in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John go into the temple courts. They see a man who is lame. Mm -hmm. I think it's 38 years. He's been consistently placed at that that, uh, gate. As If you go to modern-day Jerusalem, every gate there's beggars. It's just like that's where people come in. Mm -hmm. And as they're walking in, they see this guy, and they— their eyes are drawn to him. Their attention's drawn to him. There is no stories of Peter and John or any of the other disciples healing anybody. There's no details to any of the stories. There is one passage when Jesus sent the 12 out, and it came. It's, there's one verse when they came back said they healed the sick. Right. That's it. Yeah. No stories. Okay. And if we could say it, it was under a borrowed anointing because there's no other stories of this. And now, potentially, this is the first time in... In the book of Acts, first time it's recorded anyways, that they're going to be involved. They see a guy, and they don't start with a headache. They don't start with a shoulder injury. They start with a guy who's been lame for most of his life, if not all his life. And their response is, silver and gold we don't have because we're pastors. That's a a joke. (laughs) Uh, But what we do have and what they have, they don't know that they got it. Okay. I think that they're acting in a little bravado. I think they're hoping that they're anointed. Yeah. Because Jesus had breathed on them. They've had Acts chapter 2 where they've been filled a second time, those those two guys specifically. Probably end of Acts chapter 2 when they pray for the 3,000 people that put their hands up and say, we'd like to be born again. Yeah. And part of the prayer was to be born again and filled with the Spirit. So I think probably they had a big mosh pit of like 3,000 people are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And a couple other times there, it would uh, appear that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm hoping that they were were full of confidence, but knowing Peter, I think it was a little, okay, we're going to just see if this works. Right, right, right. I'm reading into the story. Sure. Anyways, they say silver and gold we don't have, but we do have something and we're going to try it on on you. And when this guy jumps to his feet, and the prayer, by the way, I love it because Peter says the magic words, be healed, nothing happens. And then it says, Peter, plan B, is he reached mm. out with his right hand and pulled the guy to his feet. Right. He's still lame. And as he's pulling him to his feet, that's when the anointing kicks in. That's when the healing power kicks in. And all of a sudden, it's a boing, and he's up and jumping. And a large crowd gathers, and in next chapter Three verse twelve. Let me just turn there quick. This microphone is inconveniently right in front of my it is tricky. my scriptures here. I often have trouble between that and whatever I'm trying to read. So Acts chapter three verse twelve <laughs> says, uh, "I'll start in verse eleven. It says, while the men held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them.'" in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, when he saw the people coming, he said, 
fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Well, I think he's in bravado again. I think he's the biggest <laughs> he's surprise. He's surprised too, right? I, yeah. I think that's exactly it. It's like the first time that I healed someone out of a wheelchair. I was hoping, but I was very surprised that it happened. And I phoned John Arnott right away. I went into the back back hallway while they're playing a worship song and got him on the phone. Like, John, we got to get a wheelchair. And like, I'm all excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. And it was like, yay. That reminds me of one of my favorite stories about you, which after you read this. Right. Uh, yeah. So he says, um, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us by, as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Peter's acknowledging he, he's not doing it. Yeah. So if Peter's not doing it, who is doing it? And I would say it's the will of God. And if it's the will of God that everybody's well, then that means that somebody's got to do the healing because Jesus isn't around anymore, and that somebody's followers of Jesus. Right. And so we're, it's now a team sport that everyone gets to do it. And then if you go to, I think it's Acts 11, where it talks about the church in Antioch, where people were first called Christians. Right. So the word Christian is a nickname given by the people of Antioch, the, the pagans, the heathens, the, the non-Christians, uh, the non-Jews um, even. And they name these people Christian, which means little anointed ones. Mm -hmm. And that's not what they were called in Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem, uh, the church watched the disciples do the miracles. They watched the 12 do spectacular miracles, but there was no prayer team. They didn't release it to everyone else to, okay, turn to your neighbor, pray for the person beside you. They didn't, there's no record of that. Sure. The church just watched the apostles do spectacular stuff. But now when the persecution happens of Acts 8 and people run, everyone who's running is seeing opportunities, practicing, doing it, and it begins to happen. Sure. And so that's how that church in Antioch started was at least two men from, I think it says Cyprus and Cyrene, places like that, unnamed people. And they start seeing uh, Greeks, Gentiles, born again, start a church, Barnabas is sent, and the end result, Paul joins that church as an assistant pastor, and the end result is the people in the town called them anointed ones. Yeah. How do you get that name? Doing anointed stuff. Right. What's anointed stuff? Anointed stuff is stuff that people can't do, but God can do. Yeah. So healing would be one of those. Yeah. What Tell about, your story. Well, I was just also thinking, like, when you're talking about that with the example, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The example we have in Jesus is that he didn't heal out of his divinity, but he healed out of his humanity. his his humanity and his partnership with the Holy Spirit, which is the same that that we have, of course. So that's pretty much what AJ, you're. Don't yeah. steal point number five. Please. Oh no, I can't even read. I'll turn anyway. Uh, no, I was thinking about the story of I'm trying to remember where you were, and I've heard, I think I've heard you tell it, and I've heard Alan retell it. But it was uh, a healing meeting, I think, in the UK, where you started the meeting by saying, let's figure out who the sickest person in the room is. That would have been in Glasgow the first time that that's, I met Alan. That's probably what it is. And you said, like, we'll get them healed. And then it's like all, yeah, it's all it's gravy from, from here. Exactly. And I'm just like, well, that's real brave. Like, Well, I've done that a few times. Yeah. I only do it if I, if I feel the Holy Spirit say to do it. Of course. <laughs> and the code word for me is show and tell. If I hear the word show and tell, I know what that means. Okay. It's like, let's have them nominate someone. So I've done that several times. So in that particular story, I think they nominated someone, Alan, that was in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> and the person beside them, I had to do the ministry. And I have a little prayer that I learned. Yeah. That had them repeat. I think that's what I did. Um, my healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing now. Okay. And the person stood and everyone clapped. And from there on, it's really, really easy yeah. because everyone realized. And the point of that for me about show and tell, if I can say it like that, is that I'm trying to model that it, I don't want you coming to me to do your healing if your friend, if the lady sitting beside her friend heals her. Yeah. Well, now she's going to be actively praying for people. Everyone else that's there going, well, that wasn't so hard. Steve didn't do anything there. All Steve did was just say, who's the worst in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It sort of blows up the whole, 
man of God mindset in terms of there's there's a select few. Yeah, I I like to be needed. Sure, we so, all do. <laughs> but here's the other truth: I don't like to be needed. Where at a church meeting, everyone lines up for me. Do you know how long that means I have to stay? Yeah. And if you don't really like people, that's a long time. <laughs> Steve, you don't like people? <laughs> no, no. It's, I didn't try to convey that. I'm not a people person in, okay. the, in the sense that that's not my first thought is, right. how are you feeling? That's not my first thought. My first thought is, how is the, how is the, the church doing? Like I'm, I function yeah. more of as an apostle. So it's, it's, it's the entity that I care about rather than the individuals. Yes. My wife, Sandra, it's all about the individual, oh, She's never wonderful. about the plan. So I'm, I'm trying to say that if you give the impression that you're the only one to do it, then you're going to be doing it. You're going to be the only one doing it. Yeah. And you're going to be tired at the end of every night. Yeah. I'd like to go, you know, get home reasonably, you know, on time. Yeah. Sounds, so I mean, that sounds you, reasonable to me. Get, if you get everyone else doing the ministry, well, then you're home on time. There you go. Watch so a baseball game or, you know, whatever's going on. Or, or cook meat in your fancy oven. In my fancy barbecue. Yeah. Already, number three um, is all sicknesses can be healed. Great. Matthew chapter four, the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, he there's a, a passage that is a summary passage. I find Matthew an interesting writer because he's he doesn't write chronologically. Mm-hmm. He groups most of the healing stories together. He groups most of the parable stories together. Uh, and he just sort of, uh, cuts and pastes stories together. And he has a summary. And by the way, I think it's season two of The Chosen, one of the early episodes, either season two or season three. It's all about Jesus healing in Syria. Okay. And it's a whole day. And most of the episode, you don't see Jesus at all. He's sitting underneath a, like a, a tent, like a canopy. And he's ministering to people, and there's this big, long line. And so that whole episode, for those of you who've seen The Chosen, is the disciples complaining about how long this day is. And they're taking turns to be security for Jesus and organizing the lines. And everyone's being healed. Every single person's being healed. And then the final thing is they sit around a campfire complaining, and they start picking on Matthew mm-hmm. for his sins of the past, being a tax collector, et cetera. And Jesus shows up at the end of the day. They've all eaten. They've all had their meal. Jesus is still in the tent praying for the last person. And he comes back and he's exhausted. It shows the humanity of Jesus. Skips the meal, goes straight to his bed. And it was like one of the most powerful uh, episodes that I've seen. And it's straight out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing Every disease and sickness is right in the scriptures, every, every single one um, among the people. News spread about him all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Yeah. Emphasis on healed them all. Yeah. So in that passage, we have twice where... It's explicitly said every sickness, every disease. So that's good news, isn't it, for every single person? Because if the doctors have named your problem, it can be healed. Yeah. And it's got even, I understand that some sicknesses are new today, newer today. Like I don't know that AIDS was around in the time of Jesus. Right. They had other life-killing diseases like leprosy and things like that. But every disease that was known at the time of Jesus was healed, which says that it's that it's easy for for Jesus to do. And if it's really the will of God that's doing it, then it's God's will that every sickness is is healable. Yes. Can we receive our healing? Well, that's another whole topic because not everyone wants to receive their healing. Not everyone knows how to receive their healing. And that's more the the mystery of healing. But on God's side, God is never the problem. Yeah. God wants every sickness, every disease healed. Right. According to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So good. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Number four, faith. Faith. So faith is a big part. 
So I did some study. Uh, a few years ago, I felt the Holy Spirit saying to understand how faith works. And I decided, okay, I'm going to write a book on this. Uh, the best place for Steve Long to write a book is on a cruise ship. Oh, wait, I should try that. Darling, I think we need to go on a cruise ship. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> here's what I find out for Canadians, probably for Americans as well, is that if you work on a project six hours a day on average, you're able to write off your expenses. All right, we're booking a cruise. <laughs> so the best cruise for yeah. me is a transatlantic where you can't get off the boat. Okay. And transatlantics are typically five days of uninterrupted cruising. Okay. So you may have islands that you're at before or after, but so I've done two transatlantics and 13 days each one. And it just happens that the books I wrote are 13 chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me do the math on that. <laughs> one a day. Anyway, so when I write a book, it's all revelatory. I don't read other people's stuff. I don't do research. It's, I want it to be uh, new, fresh insights. Not that I'm not leaning in on things that I've already had for, before. Yeah. But so I'm starting about faith. I feel that that's what I'm supposed to do. I feel it's supposed to be based on Matthew. And so I had already sort of gone through Matthew and looked at how many stories there are where faith is talked about in relating to breakthroughs, healings, yeah. miracles, whatever the, the topics would be. And I went to, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start with Hebrews 11, that famous passage about what faith looks like. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to simplify faith because that's partly what I try to do as a, as a Bible teacher is let's make this really easy that everyone can figure it out. Like the NIV translation, which I'm reading from, I think is written at grade five level. Something um, like that. I'm sorry, I need to stop for a second. Are you saying that you're, you're, you're preaching from the NIV? Are we allowed to do that? I think just, so. Are we oh. not? I'm, I'm <laughs> now preaching from here. the passion as well. <laughs> Okay, that a, is that another a, topic? I thought you were an NASB no, guy. No, 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 oh. Haven't been. Uh, occasionally New King James, New Living Bible. I I like, I basically stick with one. And the reason I preach from the NIV, I asked our church family what translations you use. Yeah. And I had them put their hands up. NIV was the most common. most common. And yeah. so it's like, okay, I'll preach from that. So. That's great. And usually for our church, I've got PowerPoints and I have the scripture up so people can follow along as I well. Know, I know. I'm not saying this to make you feel good or anything, but you are one of my favorite speakers. The only person who beats you is the guy that I married. So and Alan has uh, learned from the best. Not not from me, but he's he's learned from the Bible. He's a, he's a teacher, isn't he? You yes, married he a is. teacher. There yes, you go. yes, yes. Yeah. So a good teacher is going to make complicated things simple. So I try to do that. So I'm trying to figure out... What's my definition of faith going to be? And I know people have all little acronyms of what faith means. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I felt the Lord say that it's acting on revelation. It's an action. I have to do something based on a God thought. If I just think about it, that's called hope. Mm -hmm. Hope never does a miracle. Hope's like an appetizer. It's a teaser. But when I do something, then the breakthroughs can happen. Right. And faith is that action word. It is the, it's the cross. This takes you over the line. Um, and so, so many of those passages in Matthew's gospel talk about faith. And the one that I wanted to refer to, my notes have just gone here. Here they are. They're back. Whoops. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, is this lady who is bleeding for 12 years. Yeah. Remember her? Mm -hmm. It's just a terrible story of pain, agony. So she's having her menstrual period, it would appear, for 12 straight years. So she's going to be low blood pressure. She's going to have all of the uh, hormonal ups and downs that come with that. The Bible says she has spent all her money on doctors, and doctors have not been able to help her. So she's gone from having some wealth to no wealth and still the problem. And the Bible says it's getting worse. Right. According to the book of Leviticus, any woman who's in her menstrual time is unclean. Mm -hmm. She's not allowed to have sex with her husband. So if she's married, this is 12 years of abstinence for both of them. Anyone that she touches 
accidentally or on purpose is unclean. Mm -hmm. She's supposed to be isolated. Yeah. All those terrible things. And then she has a God thought that she articulates. She says, the thought is, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And then she hears that Jesus has come to Capernaum and she humbles herself and somehow gets on the ground, it would appear, because she touches the bottom of his um, trousers, as it were, the hem of his garment. While there's a huge crowd and Jesus doesn't notice her. So you just have to sort of picture this, but probably she's on her hands, on her face, Mm -hmm. crawling through people, not on her hands, she's lying down, probably crawling through, reaches through, touches Jesus in a big crowd. Uh, no one's particularly noticing her. And the Bible says that Jesus felt the anointing leave his body, which, by the way, for people who are ministering, is one of the little keys of when you know when to stop your prayers for people. If you feel the Holy Spirit has left you, like you feel a power surge either up or down. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're praying for people, you feel a drain on your body. Well, that would say someone's just received it. There's been a transfer. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And sometimes it's a power surge where it's like, ooh, and you're up. Yeah. Um, so either way, I've learned, I just, I can stop the praying right now. I can just say, excuse, you know, check yourself. Yeah. And almost always they're healed. And if you're on stage in a church meeting in some sort of public place and you have that surge, it really makes you look good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what they don't, what others don't know is that you've just felt it. Yeah. Just like Jesus automatically stops and said, who touched me? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. And Peter says, well, everyone's touching you. And right. that, but Jesus, no, 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 no. Someone just got healed. Something just, where are you? And as he keeps asking the question, where are you? Finally, a lady comes out, puts her hand up. And the Bible says that she's trembling. One passage says she's trembling for embarrassment, like she's a little uh, conscious of that. I tend to feel that the reason she's trembling or shaking is that the power of God's still on her body, and she's right that kind of stuff. Right. Anyways, she tells her story. I heard God say, "If I touch the hem of your garment, I will be healed." Mm -hmm. And what's Jesus' answer? Your faith healed you. Not Jesus. Yeah. Her acting on a God thought healed her. And we have that consistently in the Gospels. You have four buddies that have a friend who's lame, and they hear that Jesus is in town in Capernaum. And their God thought is if we can get him to Jesus, it's simple. If we can get him to Jesus, he's healed. Yeah, it's done. The problem with faith is that there's almost always a reason why your God thought doesn't make sense. And for these guys, when they get close to the house, the house is full. And if you've been to Capernaum, tiny little houses, tiny, you can't get yeah. more than probably 10 people standing. Mm-hmm. And it's like a one-room house. And so they can't get in the house. And the Bible says that the streets were packed. And if you've been to Capernaum, a street is maybe three feet wide. Yeah. Like yeah. You can't get a donkey down a street. Well, you can, but no one else has gone down. Like yes. it's, it's just uh, really, really small. So they can't get close. And I love that about God's revelation. He's always wanting us to push through. And one of these guys has a secondary thought, which is, well, let's take him to the roof. So they do that. And if you remember, as the roof is opening up, I'm sure that the meeting inside pauses. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> as they're w- watching and seeing what happens. I have a secondary thought just to let you know. I feel that this house belongs to Jesus. Okay. Because if it was anyone else, I think there would be something in the text about a temper tantrum. Somebody (laughs) freaking out about the roof. Exactly. Yeah. So Jesus would be the only one who wouldn't be overreacting. Right. Now, the scriptures don't tell the fullness of every story. Yes. But that's just Steve Long knowing that Jesus has a house somewhere in Capernaum. Yes. Yes. It refers to Jesus having house three or four times in the scriptures mm-hmm. in Capernaum. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the side thing. Capernaum, by the way, is my favorite it's place. My favorite place as oh. well. I tell our team when we get there, we're going to have a five minute tour, like with our tour guide. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to oversee the architecture. We're going to go into Peter's house mm-hmm. where there's a beautiful Catholic church with a glass on top, yep. uh, floor so you can see Peter's house. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go into the synagogue and on the ruins, the floor is the same floor that Jesus stood on yeah. 2,000 years ago. The walls were uh, rebuilt yeah. after Titus in AD 68, I think it was, 69, destroyed it. But the foundation is the same. And I said, when we walk around, you tell people there's a team from Toronto that's visiting and they're going to do a healing meeting in five minutes and bring people from other tour groups over. And we always do a healing meeting publicly. That's amazing. In that synagogue. We kick demons out of people. We do, we do all the stuff. I love Capernaum. It's my favorite place um, to go to. Yeah. Because there's history there. Yeah. Anyways, back to the story of the these, um, they opened the roof, and then the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith, the faith of these four guys. Yeah. And Jesus instinctively knew when he saw faith, when he saw action mm. based on a God thought, like who opens up a roof? Someone's had a thought. Yeah. As simple as that is. Let's take them through the roof. Yeah. But it's, it's God-inspired. Yeah. And if it's God-inspired, then that means... God has a possibility for a miracle here. Yeah. So they do their part, and Jesus instinctively knew when he saw their faith, okay, I take over now. Yeah. And the mat's lowered down, and he heals this guy by doing a forgiveness prayer, is what he did. No prayer for healing. He just dealt with his issues, healed, uh, forgave the guy. And I love that, because if if that's how faith works, that I get a God thought, I pursue to do what God's told me to do, even if there's obstacles. Mm-hmm. And usually the biggest one is you, your spouse, your best friends go, well, that's crazy. Why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. And the reason they say that is because they haven't had the God thought. And God thoughts usually are outside of the realm of logic because it's supernatural, isn't it? It's, sure. it's God speaking and God's about to put aside science. He's about to put aside logic. He's about to put aside all of the the norms because Mm -hmm. he wants to do something supernatural to show off. Sure. And I love that. Yeah. So that's the principle for me is that if I act on God's thoughts and do what he said, Jesus is still watching. He's got a better view now from heaven. Yeah. He's still watching and he knows, okay, it's my time. Yeah. That's so good. I was thinking when you were talking about the woman with the issue of blood, it would have also been outside, like you said, outside of what's socially appropriate because she was really to not touch anyone. Like there was so much wrong with what she did, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't what Jesus honed in on at all. None of that, but just the, hey, I I felt something because of faith. I love that. And in fact, he may have addressed that when he called her a daughter of Israel. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's almost like the Medal of Honor status like yeah. you're you're an esteemed person right to be called the daughter of israel right and she so, would have been ostracized for 12 absolutely years. so yeah. everyone in capernaum maybe not everyone in capernaum i think there's 75 excavated houses mm-hmm. so 75 men 75 women like moms and dads yeah i'm quite sure the moms know about her yeah maybe not all the husbands sure but you're, you've got to figure in a tiny little town like that that most people know about her. And probably the kids, if they see her, they're mocking her, they're teasing her. Like, that's what that's what you do, isn't it? Yeah. And when you don't know the full story, uh, if you don't ask the questions, you're just going to assume that she's a recluse, that there's something wrong with her. She's, she's demonized. Um, she's mental health issues. You know, whatever those kind of things are. And for Jesus to call her a daughter of Israel, it's like he just put her right at the top again. Love that about Jesus. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Number five. Are we? Yes. Okay. Number one is God's <laughs> will. These are all things that I did not know when I started a healing ministry. Things that I've learned yeah. over the last few years. Yeah. Always his will. God's will. Everyone's supposed to be able to do it. Everyone yeah. should try to minister to their friends, especially if you have a God thought. Number three, it's for all sicknesses. Number four, it's related to faith. And number five, healing is about the anointing. Okay. My absolute favorite passage is in Acts chapter 10, 37 and 38. And the story is of um, Peter 
has had a nap and you remember that he has this God thought of, of animals that are unclean yeah. that are dropped down. I'm trying to talk to you. Yes. Keep my head looking at my, keep the nose looking at the microphone and then look down for my scripture passage. Yeah. So Peter has a dream and in the dream, it's these unclean animals, and the Lord says, "Get up and eat." And he's going, "No, no, no, no! I'm I'm a good Jewish boy. This is the, this food isn't kosher." Mm. And as he's thinking about that, there's a knock on the door, and it turns out that a Gentile delegation from Caesarea, which is what 45 minute drive north yeah. of Tel Aviv, a good deal north, a yeah. good deal north. Yeah, they've had a three day journey to find Peter. Mm-hmm a word of knowledge that has come to a Roman centurion. Mm-hmm. As he's seeking God, God spoke to him and said, go find Peter, and he's at this particular at house, at Simon the Tanner's house. Yes. A tanner is a fancy word for a butcher who takes the skin off animals yeah. and makes clothing out of them. This is a stinking house. Yes. A smelly house. Yeah. When you go to Joppa, have you been to Joppa? Yes. Been to Simon's house? Yes. <laughs> I, I I just don't I know. I don't know that that's it, really, if, though. <laughs> yes, because it's it's in like black magic marker written on the on yeah, the uh, yeah exactly above the on the stone Simon the Tanner's house. Sure. So that wasn't wouldn't yeah. have been there originally. Yeah, yeah. Maybe someone's helping the tourism. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's a house. Yes. There. And it's just they all look similar. All so it gives you good visual. All the same. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like who cares which house it is? That's I think that's good because. If it was, if we knew absolutely some of these places, they become shrines and people start worshiping that, worshiping the place rather huh. than the Lord who did the miracle. Anyways, so in the story, Peter gets this revelation. Oh my goodness! It the the dream I've had isn't about food; it's about people that I yeah. see as unclean. Yeah. So he's taken by the gravity of this word of knowledge that a non-Christian, a, a Roman officer, has had. And he says, okay, let's do this. So they, I'm imagining another three-day walk. He gets to the home of this uh, centurion, and he makes a big point of saying to them, I've never, ever been in a Gentile city. And Caesarea was a Roman-occupied city that Herod the Great built. Yeah. And beautiful architecture yeah. of that Huge city. Huge city. Huge, yeah. Compared to Capernaum, it's it's like uh, New York City and... Yeah. Um, in a little hodunk somewhere. Is hodunk a place? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Anyways. Well, uh, there's a place in Arkansas called Toadsuck, so there might okay. be a hodunk. You never right. know. Anyways, yeah, yeah. a little town and a fairly big port city that Herod has built. It has all the Roman uh, things, like it has the chariot uh, mm-hmm. race place. I don't know what you call that place, but um, oh. it's a fancy word yes. for where it'll, they had the chariot races. It'll come to me. And it's beautifully preserved. Yeah, it's Because it's, it's, it's by sand, isn't it? So yeah. sandstorms come and cover it and all that kind of stuff. So they're there. And Peter makes a big point. I've never, ever been in a Gentile city. And by the way, there's no Bible reference that Jesus ever went into Caesarea. Uh, if it's a Gentile city, he would not have gone to, mm-hmm. to it. So he, Peter says, you know, I'm here. And he has this incredible revelation that Jesus is Lord of all. Not just Jews, mm-hmm. but Lord of Gentiles as well. And he's like, he goes in and, okay, okay what, why am I here? And they say, well, you know, six days ago we had this, our, the officer had this, this thought, and we want to know about Jesus. And I've learned that if people are inquisitive about Jesus, it's not an hour talk. The longer you go, the less they're going to believe. Right. Like, so you give a short little presentation. Right. And his short summary of the gospel, Acts chapter 10, verse 37, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in, in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all mm-hmm. who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So Peter's summary of the ministry of Jesus is that everyone was healed because of the anointing. Mm -hmm. So we've already talked about this. You raised it, that Jesus is not healing people in his divinity. 
like Philippians 2 makes that very, very clear, that he emptied himself of all his God powers and totally relied on revelation. So seven times in John's gospel, Jesus says things like, I can do nothing by myself. I can't, I can only do things that I see, only do things that I hear. And he adds another one, only do things that my spirit's taught. And he actually has a fourth um, clue, and that's compassion. Another passage, it says he was feeling feeling compassionate. So his emotions all stirred. Mm -hmm. So Jesus in John's gospel is clearly saying, I can't heal people. Just of me, I can't do it. But if I get a God thought, if I get a picture, if my spirit just sort of jumps up and goes now, or if emotions are stirred, like feeling compassion. And that really is the thought when you look at someone and this thought comes to you, that's not right. That's what compassion is. Mm-hmm. When you, you get a God thought that a little child should not be in a, have a cast. A little child should not be in a, in a wheelchair. And when you get that thought, that's called, Bible calls that compassion. And Jesus was activated to do something, knowing that God has just spoken to him. And he went out and ministered to people. And every single person that Jesus went to was healed. Every person that came to Jesus, in, according to the scriptures, is healed. Mm-hmm. Did he go to everybody? No. Did everyone come to him? No. But everyone that the Spirit of God drew him to, he ministered, people were healed. Everyone that came to him with God thoughts, they were healed. And Peter's summary is that it happened because God anointed Jesus at his baptism. So the okay. kingdom of God, the new rules of the kingdom of God, the sermons that Jesus preached, or sorry, that John the Baptist preached of get ready, the kingdom of God is, it's, it's close. And Jesus' first recorded sermon is the kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. It's arrived. Yes. And kingdom, kingdom day is celebrated in liturgical churches, Catholic churches, Episcopalian, as the first, uh, sorry, the second weekend of January, I think it is, hmm. is the celebration of the baptism of Jesus. And that's when the kingdom of God started. Heaven opened, the Spirit of God came down, God spoke, and Jesus was anointed. And all of a sudden from there on, every time God directs him, a miracle takes place, a healing takes place. Right. So that tells me that if I could be anointed and be led by the Spirit, that potentially the same things can happen. So here's the good news. I happen to have the same father that Jesus did. Yeah. And he is able to communicate to me yep. through thoughts, through pictures, through my spirit. Just I know things. I don't know why I know them, but I do know them. Mm-hmm. And compassion, I can have compassion. So I can be led by the spirit. I can hear the voice of God the very same way that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And I'm clearly like Jesus in that I can't heal anybody unless God steps in. Right. So I have the same father. He speaks the same to me as he did to Jesus. And if I know that it is his will, which Jesus knew. Without well, question. Without yeah. question. Yeah. Now, Jesus had a head start because he originated in heaven, came yes. to earth. So he, <laughs> he did know the will of God yeah. unconditionally, never once wavered from it. So if I step in, that anointing is going to be with me as well. Yeah. And that's how miracles take place today. That's how people are healed today. That's how spectacular things that defy logic that defies science that confuse the medical profession yeah is because there's this incredible thing called the anointing which is the supernatural power of god that can come on every single person yeah so we can heal it's amazing it is amazing i love it one other little thing um this is a bonus um but perhaps one god thought helped me to jump from say maybe one of every three, four people to be healed to maybe 50%. Okay. Is in Matthew chapter eight, the story of another Roman centurion from Capernaum where I love this story because when you put all the stories together, the Jewish leaders come to Jesus in Capernaum and say, see that guy standing over there. He wants to talk to you. Well, he's the Roman centurion, right? He's clearly going to be a uniform. Jesus, if he's living in Capernaum, knows that that's the police chief. He's the guy. He's keeping law and order here. And they said, this is the guy who paid for our synagogue to be built. 
and that's you've been there. It's a monstrous building. It's Huge. like a quarter of the size of the whole town. Yeah. Every single person who's male gets to go to the actually women got to go to the synagogues as well. So it's big enough that everyone gets to go to the synagogue. Sure. Temple just men. But a synagogue, ladies can go as well. Anyways, he he has a favor to ask you. You should do what he wants. Because he built our synagogue. Because he built our synagogue. Right. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like him. Yeah, and that's that's a fascinating picture of of this guy. Is he's he's not a mean spirited guy. He cares about them. Mm-hmm. He's been assigned to this town. He's somehow got some wealth, and you know he he gives it away. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says, "I have a servant, probably Jewish, probably a little boy, who is in terrible pain and is paralyzed." Nobody hires a kid like that. Right. So this is an accident. Right. Something's happened to this kid that yeah. he's now paralyzed. He's, he's in, in pain. And while he's breathing between sentences, Jesus jumps in and says, like, come to your house and heal him. Again, no question about the will of God on that one. Jesus right. knows if I go, he will be healed. Right. Is that what you'd like? Yeah. Everyone wants me to come. John chapter 2, an earlier story, is that... Jesus has been on the other side of Galilee. He's been in the region of Cana, and the mayor of Capernaum has hunted them down, a three-day walk. Wow. He's called the royal official. He's mm-hmm. the guy who's, who's the leading politician, if you want to say it like that. So the mayor's tracked Jesus down and said, I have a son who needs your help. Like, come back. And Jesus goes, you know, you guys are always looking for miracles. No, no, this is real. Come back. I need you to come back. I'm important. I'm the mayor. Yeah. And Jesus goes, go, he's healed. And the guy believed Jesus, starts walking. And you remember a servant of his, they meet halfway and your son's doing well. He's fine. Yeah. Oh, when was that? You know, they compare notes. It's like, oh my goodness, that was exactly when Jesus said it. So the history of Capernaum is that Jesus has already done some amazing stuff. But everyone's wanting Jesus to be the one coming to their house and touching and all that kind of stuff. So... Jesus says to the Roman centurion, do you want me to come and heal him? No. Just give the word. Mm -hmm. Give the command. And then he says this, for I myself am a man under authority. And that little phrase, he is the first person to figure out that Jesus isn't the healer. Yeah. When he says, I myself am a man under authority, he's saying of Jesus, I know how this works. I know how military commands work. Caesar says we're attacking Jerusalem. He says that's the generals. The generals gather together. Okay, what's the plan? They come up with a plan. The generals don't attack. They pass that on to the, you know, who's ever under them, and it gets to the centurions, and it gets to the guys that are going to be doing this, doing stuff. doing the the attack. Mm-hmm. And so, chain of command is what this guy understands, and he has recognized in Jesus that Jesus is not the healer. Jesus is the midwife. He's the middleman. He is doing the will of God. He's the first guy to figure it out because everyone is, is clamoring for Jesus to come and touch them, for Jesus to do this, Jesus to that. And this is the first guy to figure it out. And he says, no, you don't need to come. Just give the command. At which Jesus pauses, turns around to his buddies and everyone else following him and says, did you just hear this? I've never found anyone with such great faith. Yeah. So he's had a God thought. Jesus is the middle man. God wants this. If Jesus gives the command, it's done. Yeah. So why do we need to go to the house? Right. Just say it now. So good. And Jesus is just astonished at this, the revelation of this guy and turns around and says, oh, my goodness. He turns to the guy and says, go. It's done. Just as you believed. And the kid's healed instantly. So to me, that was a big one, is that at best, I'm a middleman. If God gives me instruction, gives me thoughts, gives me dreams, gives me compassion, any of those motivators, mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm bold enough. So now is the question of, will I have courage? Will I have boldness to step out to do it? Right. And on a good day, I do. On a day when I'm tired, uh, on a day when I'm feeling, you know, I don't know what you'd say, like not necessarily abused, but just 
a little wounded, a little discouraged, discouraged, all those kind of things. Yeah. You know, it's like, ah, not today. Yeah. But you step out and you do it. I'll tell one story before we finish. Then we want to pray for everyone. Friday nights in Toronto for years and years and years has been a come Holy Spirit push in night. And for a number of years, Sandra and I led that meeting. Mm -hmm. We would have different ones of our pastors preach on Sundays, but Friday nights are night. And Sandra and I would fast our evening meal. We would go into the prayer room and we had a big whiteboard. We'd write down any God thoughts we had on the whiteboard. The prayer team knew to be, as they're driving to the meeting, to be writing, or not writing, but keeping any God thoughts. When they got there, they'd write things on the board. And mm-hmm. So we would have some spectacular Friday night meetings. And usually healing is one of the big components of a Friday night. Yeah. And it wasn't uncommon for 10, 15 healings and one or two spectacular ones, like mm-hmm. broken bones or you know that kind of stuff that's, that when you visit a doctor is not going to happen. You're not going to walk out of your doctor's office well. Yes. You're going to walk out of your doctor's office with a prescription and hope, but not walk out well. Right. And so that's happening on a Friday night. And often those meetings would be late. And now we're hungry because we haven't had an evening meal. And one day we're driving home with with my son, John. Uh, I think he was in the bookstore or something like that, that night coffee shop. And we're driving home and we see a Subway restaurant sandwich shop that's open. It's like, well, let's stop and get a sub. Mm-hmm. And it's like five to midnight, closes at midnight. And we all go in. He's he's already, the guy in there has already begun to put the food away. So he's loving that you just showed up then. Well, <laughs> it's, it's still before midnight. So we go in and um, we say, no, we'll just have the stuff that's here. So don't don't go back and get everything. We'll just make up, you know, whatever's here. So let's say it's a tuna sandwich. Sandra's tired. John's tired. They take their sandwiches, go sit in the car. And as Sandra gets in the car, she looks at me through the window, the subway, and she looks at me with those eyes of, you better not make this long. (laughs) And she's wagging, she's wagging her finger like, no, don't do it. Don't ask him if he's got pain. Right. I can see it. (laughs) And being a loving husband, if my wife says no, I'm gonna go. Go, okay, okay. I'm gonna, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I'm gonna, I will do <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, just yeah. to get a, re, you know, get back at her for whatever. Husbands <laughs> occasionally do that; they don't always listen to their wives. So, here we are, like two minutes before midnight, and I say to the guy, uh, "By the way, do you have any pain in your body?" And he's like, "And often people will say, what, what did, what did, what did you just say?" And it's like, "Do you have any pain in your body? Physical pain?" And he goes, yeah, I, I can't remember what the problem was. And it's like, well, I have a little uh, five-second saying that I do that gets rid of the pain. Would you like to get rid of the pain? And he goes, yes. So I've learned not to use the word prayer. Yeah. So I said, repeat after me. My healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing now. And he says that, and I go check yourself, and he checks himself. And he's, he's moving his back, whatever was wrong with him. And you can see on their faces when they're healed. Yeah. Like they're trying to find the pain. It's just not there. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, my goodness. And he goes, what did you do? And I said, actually, I didn't do anything. You did something. You invited Jesus. And he was of Indian descent. And so he did the head wobble. He goes, yes, I did do that. (laughs) And it was just like, it was such a wonderful little thing. And I had nothing to do with it. It was basically okay. on a dare from my wife. Don't you dare yeah. delay us getting <laughs> home because we're tired. And it's like, well, I'll take that dare. <laughs> and a guy I got healed. That's exactly what she was meaning. Well, <laughs> anyways, that's the way I took it. So I get in the car and she goes, he got healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's two minutes, Sandra, to heal a guy. So anyways, that's, I that's love great. that. I love that God talks to us, uh, gives us assignments, and we get to be heroes for people. Yeah, it's amazing. He, he's going to go home and tell his, I don't know, he's maybe 19, 20. So he's going to tell his parents or he's going to tell his roommate. Yeah. Guess what happened to me? Yeah. These guys came in just as I'm closing shop. I'm all upset that they're here. You know, it's, I've already started putting stuff away and I got healed. Yeah. 
but guess what I'm pain free. I remember I still remember the Sunday that you had Sam come in. Sam what was his last name? Sam Larby. Larby, yeah. From London, England. He's yeah. a Ghanaian colonel. I think he was in the Ghanaian army. Yeah. Cause Alan, after that, I literally had to I'm not even joking. I would plan that we needed to leave 20 minutes early to go anywhere if he was going to see people because he just would ask everybody. So I can, I can totally relate to Sandra because it was just like, we're going to be late for everything for the rest of our lives now. I mean, it's very cool, you know, but, you know. <laughs> it, it has its it has its rewards. Yes. And, you know, I just got so many amazing stories about healing that I'm absolutely confident that God wants people well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. can I pray for people? Would that be all right that are listening, watching? Yeah, absolutely. Good? Yeah. So I'm going to look at the camera here. I'm going to just move my microphone. <laughs> Good quietly, job. Look at you. Steady. <laughs> yeah. So friends that are listening, friends that are watching, whatever, whatever you've been diagnosed with, the good news is that Jesus has, has already got history of healing that. And if it's happened once, it can happen twice. And it can happen three times, four times, a million times. And the will of God, as, the, as recorded in the, this wonderful prayer that Jesus gave, that followers of Jesus, many of them, especially for those of you in the Catholic faith, you pray this prayer every single day. So something like, I don't know, 300 million Catholics every day say, Our Father. Um, and right in there is the will of God that whatever's happening in heaven, which is no sickness, no pain, is supposed to happen on planet Earth. So, Daddy, we just speak mm. healing to every single person. And those of you that are listening, I'd like you just to close your eyes and just begin to feel the presence, begin to feel the power of God coming on your body, touching your body. And that can feel a number of different things. That could be all of a sudden there's peace. You can feel weight on your body. Uh, that's called glory. Your body can be tingling. Your body could be having some mild like vibrations. Uh, your hands start to twitch a little bit. You can maybe, maybe it's like you're, you're starting to tear up right now. And those are all signs that Jesus is with you right now. He is, he's heard your desire and he's with you. And it is absolutely God's will that you be healed. And as demonstrated by Jesus, it's a simple thing of just tapping into the anointing, the supernatural power of God. And so we say anointing come, heal every sickness, every disease that our friends may be battling and struggling against. And we speak life into you. One last verse, friends. John chapter 10, verse, verse 10. Jesus says Satan's resume, Satan's purpose, his mission statement is to kill your body, steal your finances, destroy your relationships. Those are the three big topics that Jesus talked about. So Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life and to give it abundantly. So if we break it down, instead of Satan trying to kill you, Jesus is coming to bring life. Mm. That's his purpose, was to help people who were sick, who were dying, serious diseases, people with cancers and tumors, that life is being stolen from them prematurely. And we say to those kind of things, if that's you, if you've got a serious life-threatening disease, I just want to say, it is God's will. Jesus himself said that he came to give you life. And so I speak over your body right now and say life to you right now. Receive life, receive health in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you to check yourself right now. And even if there's a tiny little bit of improvement, that's a good thing. And you need to celebrate that. You need to thank the Lord for that. You need to hold on to what you've received and to expect that it's going to continue. Because the Bible also says that everything that Jesus begins, he finishes. Yeah. So good. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Steve. That was wonderful. Hey, Jay, this was fun. So good. I love talking about healing. I, you know what? It shows. Thank you. Yeah. It's really good. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Well, thank you to Steve Long for coming in and being with us. 
always love when Steve comes to town. Yes, it's he's very always good. got the best stories. Thank you, Steve, for making time to be on the podcast. I, I realize while we're even doing the podcast, I just I just want to listen to him talk. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably be saying things because I'm the other person. But I just want to listen to him because I just think he's so wise. He is. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. You also like the Canadian accent when he says a boat. I didn't hear an accent at all. Neither Steve or I have an accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah. Thank you, AJ, for hosting that. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, where would people get show notes? They would get show notes by going to com slash Two fifty nine. Very good. And if you'd like Thank to become you. a member of the show, so you can get discounts on all of our products. If you'd like to access the video versions of these podcasts, if you'd like to get priority Q and A, if you'd like to support the show, go to alanandaj.com slash join to learn more. And if you'd like to ask any questions, good one. Yep, you could go to alanandaj.com slash ask. But for now, we're praying that you have a fantastic week. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. We will. Hopefully. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.